Scripture reading this morning is from Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Let me be among the first to welcome Jimmy and Gail Sportsman to this congregation. Nobody is more delighted with his selection than me. I believe that he brings a unique blend of skills and abilities and wisdom that are just what this congregation needs. Now, next Sunday, we'll have a transition service in which Jimmy will be formally recognized as the pulpit minister here. And because of his role, we will call him the senior minister. We do not mean to imply that he's older than me. It merely recognizes that we're looking to him to quarterback this church leadership. No quarterback, not even Johnny Manziel, can win alone. And Jimmy will be surrounded with an excellent eldership and deacon team and church staff and, of course, this wonderful congregation. Oh, by the way, there's, there's something you can do for me today that would really help with this transition in a very specific way. Uh, we have more books than we can house right now. Uh, we've taken them and put them in the middle office in our office reception area, and that, that room is just crammed with books. And they are yours for the taking. Now, I know not all of you can get in that room after church, uh, but please try. And uh, if not, come by during the week and peruse the collection. I mean, there is some top-notch stuff in there. We, we don't have room for them in our church or our library. We just don't have room. And I would rather you have first shot at them than to sell them on eBay or donate them to an appropriate charity. So after church... Say hello to Jimmy and Gail, and then run to the middle office, Eddie's old office, and take all the books you want. And that way I can move in there, and then Jimmy can occupy the senior minister's office. Welcome to Kerrville, Jimmy. I find it amazing that it worked out that I'm preaching my last sermon as your designated preacher. This is not my last sermon. But as your designated preacher, exactly 16 years after I preached my first one. I mean, I started on the second Sunday in January 1997 in this very suit. And now it's the second Sunday in January 2013. I thank you for 16 wonderful years. Now, when I started, here's what I looked like. Um, on the way out, it's more like this. 
When I came here, this church was mired in conflict. I'll never forget um, the first Sunday I was here. Dow Howard met me in the foyer. I didn't know him from Adam. And he said, I hope you know what you're getting into. (laughs) Well, in all honesty, I didn't know. But after just a few weeks... I expected my stay with you to be about a year, if I was lucky. God made it longer than that. And although the congregation is about the same size it was back then, I believe this is a much healthier congregation. And I believe our best days are still ahead of us. But as the song said... I don't know about tomorrow. James 4, 13 and 14 says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city and we'll spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. The past is history. And the future is mystery. But hey, mystery's not bad. It's just the unknown. Solomon makes a statement in the text that Jeremiah read to us earlier that indicates that the mystery of 2013 is better than the history of 2012. Not just for this church, but for you. The verse said, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. Now, I I know some of you are really hoping I apply that verse to this sermon. And that I get to the end quickly. Uh, I have preached a few sermons when I was really glad to make it to the end. Within its immediate context, though, Solomon is probably referring to patience. In, In Hebrew poetry... The second line of a proverb either restates the first line or it states its opposite. And so here's the whole proverb. The end of a matter is better than its beginning and patience is better than pride. And then he goes on to say, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. So patience Patiently enduring a project to the end is better than excitedly beginning one. Many projects are initiated that are never completed. How are you doing with your New Year's resolutions? Verse 9 reminds us that the impulsive actions that we sometimes take can turn into angry results. Now, since we have come to the end of one year and we're beginning another, and because we are beginning a significant new phase in this congregation's life with Jimmy coming on, I'd like to think about the line, the end of the matter is better than the beginning. Now, we see this point demonstrated almost every day. Did did you travel over the Christmas holidays? Wasn't it good to get home? That trip was nice. Boy, boy, the end of the matter 
was a whole lot better than the beginning. Uh, what about a soldier who's going off to serve? Is not returning home better than deployment? The end of a matter is better than the beginning. And I want to examine some principles from this little short intriguing verse that I hope will help us deal positively with life's inevitable transitions from the old year to the new, from old plans to new, to help us reframe disappointments of the old, to revive our confidence in the future God has planned for us. This verse has something to say. So first it speaks about the past. One good thing about the end of a year is it can soothe our regrets. 2012 is history. And we all missed some good opportunities. We all made some mistakes. We all have regrets that might make us question if this is really true. Is is the end really better than the beginning? And, And some people may think, I wish I had this year over. I'd love to fix this or that or relive this or that experience. But Solomon's short statement reminds us that the future is where the hope lies. And living in the past is not wise living. Verse 10, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask such questions. Now, Solomon doesn't explain why it's not wise to ask about the good old days. Maybe it's because we tend to glamorize them, make them better than they were. The next time you're longing for the good old days, just turn off your air conditioner. (laughs) Or spend an hour at the ironing board. Or saw a four-by-four fence post without a power saw. Or cook a meal without a microwave. Or clean up without a dishwasher. Try watching TV without your remote control. (laughs) Or staying in contact with people without a, a cell phone. I think one of these days we will wonder how we ever got anywhere without our own personal GPS to guide us. Living in the past is not wise. I wouldn't own a car that only had a rear windshield, would you? And would you really like to relive the storms of 2012? Maybe you've undergone some physical storms. Would you like to hear the doctor give you that bad news again? Or maybe you've had some spiritual struggles Think of it this way. The arrows Satan shot at you last year are gone. Now, to be sure, he'll shoot more this year, but you have outlasted those. You have been victorious. Would you really like to go back and struggle with those temptations again? 2012 is gone, and we are wiser and stronger for having experienced the things that we did, good or bad. I read about a a school principal who asked his teachers 
to give him a list of their New Year's resolutions so he could put them all up on a bulletin board. And when the board was finished, all the teachers gathered around and a great commotion started. I mean, one of the teachers was irate because her list wasn't up there. And she threw a temper tantrum and demanded, why aren't my resolutions on the board? Well, the principal hurried to his office to see if he had overlooked her list. And sure enough, he had mislaid hers on his desk. And as he read it, he was astounded to see that the first item on her list was, I resolve I will not let trivial things upset me. <laughs> Good or bad, this year has taught us some important things. James 1 and verse 2 has what sounds like the most ridiculous statement. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So God has used the events of 2012, even our failures and our pain, to help us grow. And it's caused the end to be better than the beginning. The verse also calms our concerns about the future. Uh, We read an implied promise here. We have hope. You know, these days, some people look at the beginning of this year and they ask, will the end really be any better? Because storms of the past can make us fear what the storms of the future might bring. Will I be able to bear up under it? Well, in the face of the mystery to come, Solomon says, whatever it is, whatever the beginning is, the end is better. So if you're in a dark period of your life, don't live in despair. The sun's going to shine again. Take this verse as a promise to give you hope and dispel your fears. God is still in charge. Reflect on the Old Testament story of Joseph. His own brothers sold him into slavery. He was falsely accused by a conniving woman. He was thrown into prison. He was experiencing the darkest days of his life. Yet it was the route that led to his high position of power and influence in Egypt. If you're in a dark time, you're dreading the future, take heart from this verse that the end of a thing is better than its beginning. Now, we Christians really count on a better future, don't we? We know that this life will end. But we also know that whatever happens, due to our relationship with God, the end will be better than the beginning. Even if you're struggling to hang on to your faith this morning, take heart. The end will be better. And it's worth fighting for. Think, Think of Jesus' example. Throughout his life, he was rejected, abused, finally killed. I don't think I'd sign up for a life like that. 
But now he's glorified in heaven. And Paul reasons with the Romans about that concerning us. Romans 6, 8, and 9. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him, nor does it have mastery over us. So endure tough times. Hang on to your faith, because the end will be better than the beginning. Well, we've looked at the past and the future, so let's take a peek at the present. Solomon is not negative here. He encourages us to make a beginning. See, for the end to be better than the beginning, you have to have a beginning. And Solomon assumes that we will take action. Focusing on the good old days does not produce a better present. And absorption with the future won't get us beyond the challenges of the moment. We won't like our past or our future without making good use of the present. Wayne Gretzky, perhaps the greatest ice hockey player who ever lived, said, I skate to where the puck is going to be, not to where it has been. He used his skills well. Who knows how great the end of a thing will be if we simply make a beginning. Now, most of you know I follow a typical outline in all of my sermons. A what, a so what, and a now what. What does the text say? So what that it says that? What does it mean to me? Now what? What do I do with this truth I've learned from God? Sometimes I need to include uh, but what? I think one's appropriate here. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. What about when he promises or his promises don't turn out? And the end is not better than the beginning. Well, our faith can be shaken on those occasions. Well, remember this about Bible Proverbs. They are general truths that are mostly true, but not always true. And Solomon spoke in often in general axioms that are not always completely accurate. I mean, usually they are, but not always. For example, the famous Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. That's usually true. But we all know of cases where it didn't work out that way. Or Proverbs 10:27, The fear of the Lord adds length to life, and the years of the wicked are cut short. Well, that's usually true. But sometimes the good die young. And it seems like the bad guys just go on and on and on. Another example is Proverbs twelve twenty one: No harm befalls the righteous, 
but the wicked have their fill of trouble. Well, I've seen the righteous suffer harm. I don't have to look any further than Jesus Christ to see that. And sometimes the wicked seem to have it pretty good. But as a general truth, wicked people suffer more in this life than righteous people. Proverbs 28 and 18. He whose walk is blameless is kept safe, but he whose ways are perverse will suddenly fall. Well, I've seen some perverse people last a mighty long time. I'm still waiting for some of them to fall. But in most cases, it's true that the more blameless a life you live, the safer you are. The more perverse a life you live, the more likely you're going to come to a sudden end. So Ecclesiastes 7 and 8 is one of those general truths. Not everything ends better than it begins. Take, for example, someone who goes to a wild party and gets stinking drunk. The next morning they can barely remember their name, much less what happened at the party. It would be ludicrous for that person to expect the end to be better than the beginning. Uh, especially when the video that was made of them while they were drunk goes viral on YouTube. Or consider successful people, successful business people who make great piles of money. Everything begins so well. But then money takes power over them and becomes their master. Bible proverbs are general truths, accurate in most cases. I like the story of another elementary school teacher who took a collection of modern proverbs and gave them to her classes. She gave part of the proverb, the first part, and asked them to fill in the rest. So let's do it together. One of them was, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Well, the kid said, don't bite the hand that looks dirty. (laughs) If you lie down with dogs, you'll... Get up with fleas. Bad companions corrupt good morals. The kids had about the same idea. If you lie down with dogs, you'll stink in the morning. A penny saved is not much. (laughs) Two's company, threes. Mm, The musketeers. Laugh in the world, laughs with you, cry and you. They say you have to blow your nose. I think they were prejudiced on this one. Children are to be seen and not. One more. If at first you don't succeed, Uh, Get new batteries. (laughs) If we try, we can find exceptions to Solomon's Proverbs. Sometimes the end is not better than the beginning. Begin anyway. Don't choose to live in the past. Don't choose to live in fear. 
Sometimes the mystery of the future is more frightening than the history of the past, no matter how bad that history was. Step bravely into the future anyway. Sometimes the challenges of tomorrow seem unbearable. Take on those challenges anyway. This year may bring illness or death unexpectedly. Live this year for eternity anyway. What about you? Will the end of your life be better than the beginning? Well, if you're not a Christian, it pains me to say it, but the truth is it won't be. If you've not been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're headed for an end that is worse than your beginning. And what are we going to tell the Lord when we stand before him on Judgment Day? Are we going to tell him what a good person we were? He'll just reach over there and get his book and see our sins recorded there and say, you weren't nearly as good as you thought you were. Or will we tell him that our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus? We've been forgiven because we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now, if you can say that, the end of your life will be better than the beginning. So as we leave 2012 behind and move into 2013, it's my earnest prayer that God will touch your heart in some way he hasn't done yet and prompt you to follow him like a true disciple of Jesus Christ. The past is history. The future's a mystery. But God has given this moment as a gift. Maybe that's why we call it the present. If you've not begun a walk with God, you cannot end what you never begin. Or if you have lost your love for God, lost your enthusiasm for Christ, and you know you want to come back, You cannot begin or end a journey you do not begin. So as we begin a new year, why not make a new beginning in your life? We'll help you with baptism here at the front. Our shepherds are available to pray with you at any of the rear exit doors. Make a good beginning. And the end will be even better. Let's stand and sing.